Welcome to the Pursuit of Learning podcast. I'm your host, Clint Murphy. My goal is for each of us to grow personally, professionally, and financially one conversation at a time. To do that, we will have conversations with subject matter experts across a variety of modalities. My job as your host will be to dig out those golden nuggets of wisdom that will facilitate our growth. Join me on this pursuit. Whether it's your career, business, or social media, being a connector will improve your results. The problem is, most of us are networking. We are not connecting. In this conversation, I talk with Michelle Tillis-Letterman about how to connect and we dive into seven mindsets we can use to do so, including tactical advice on each mindset. Enjoy the show, and happy connecting. Good morning, Michelle. Welcome to the Pursuit of Learning. Before we dive into the connector's advantage, I want to ask, What's motivating you right now? And what are two or three things that you want to make sure we get out of the book for our listeners today? Okay, those are two different questions. The first one was, what's motivating me right now? Uh, I'm just so happy that travel is back. And I am motivated by the rebooking of um, all my trips from 2020 and getting to re-explore places I haven't been, cultures I haven't been, people I haven't been with. Um, So I'm just so motivated by exploration and connection um, with different people in different places. And then the second question was... Uh, What are two or three things you want to make sure we get across to the listeners today when we talk about the connector's advantage? Oh, I've got to pick only two or three. Let's think. Uh, (laughs) So for me, the number one thing I want people to get across is that this is accessible, right? You can do this. You can get the advantage that we're going to talk about. Um, it doesn't, it's not something we're born with. And honestly, I actually thought it was until I did the research and found out, oh, this is not an elite club. This is available, accessible, um, and anybody can integrate these ideas. So that's my number one. Um, and then I would love everybody to walk away with one or two specific ideas that they will put into action. And those might be different for different people. So um, I hope we hit a bunch of different, and I don't like to call them prescriptive, but actionable ideas. And then everybody walks away with at least one. Yeah, I love that. The more we can give people tactical and strategic, okay, I'm going to go away from that podcast and I'm going to do this one thing. Even if it's only one thing, right? I always, if I read a book and I take one thing, I'm like, okay, that's that's the one I'm going to do. That's, and that's, that's all you need. Let's get it. Yeah, and if you do, if you do 30, 40 books a year, you got thirty or forty new things that you're that you're going to be doing. So, one of the things you highlight is the importance of relationships, and as we head into the network age, they become even more important, whether we're a person or we're a company. And when you talk about companies, you point out that companies that have a relationship model are five to 10 times, have a valuation that's five to 10 times higher than similar companies that don't. So can you unpack 
for our listeners the importance of connections and relationships, and then we'll dive into how to how to create it. And I love that you went to the business side of it because um, I do tend to be from the individual, but we do need to think about this broadly. And and I take that even from my own business. I have a company, and I always say my best customers are where I blurred the lines between client and friend. So um, why is why are relationships important? I love statistics, so I'm going to throw a bunch of numbers at you. And we can take it from the personal, but we can also take it from the the business. And when I say personal, I mean the individual, um, even if we are meaning professional. Um, All right. So for you guys out there who are trying to make a difference in your personal careers, if you want to get listened to, you want to get likable. Because when you have a connection, when you have a relationship with somebody, the way your ideas are received and how you are viewed in presenting those ideas is more trustworthy, more credible. And I'm going to take those ideas and jump and build off of them. And they're going to morph and they're going to mature. And then I'm going to be seen as more innovative because it was my original idea. And there is a creativity, um, you know, and a, a power that happens in that. So you're going to be more influential. You're going to be viewed as more innovative. And you're going to be heard. You're going to be listened to. Mm. Uh, If you're getting, you know, uh, a new job or even a promotion within the company that you have, you're more likely to get there through your connections. So 90% of all executive level jobs and 85% of jobs at any level come from who you know, not what you know. And you are 70% more likely to get a promotion when you have an active mentor relationship. So now let's take it to the business side of life because people like to do business with people they like. We know this. But if you think about it, when you're buying a purchase, when you're thinking about a company, when you're looking at a vendor, what do you do? You ask around. Mm-hmm. Who do you know? Who do you recommend? Let's go online. Let's look at the reviews. And 92% of people trust those reviews. And they are four times more likely to buy when referred by a trusted source. So, um, and by the way, these statistics are growing each year because some millennials won't even give a product or a company a chance if it is not pre-approved, and it's about 30% right now, by their constituents, right? Their I read something yesterday that said people are starting to go to TikTok for their searches ahead of Google. Really? And so when you talk about connections and relationships people are in essence saying well i'm gonna reach out to my tiktok following or circle to see what product they want instead of googling it so pretty soon we're gonna have tiktok as a as as a verb as well well, why don't you tiktok what to buy (laughs) yeah or, or insta or insta yeah i mean insta's people don't like how targeted their ads are i find it fabulous because they get me almost exactly what i need when i'm looking for it it's perfect it freaks my husband out i gotta say (laughs) oh it does it does right like and people are like oh they're not listening to you it's like well we're just talking about skiing and it sent me three ski resorts (laughs) in the area i'm not sure yeah it's like it feels like something's up with that because i've never searched (laughs) the (laughs) So then let's talk about connectors. You highlight a number of different types of connectors. 
and wondering if we can get the listeners to understand what those are and, and what we may be shooting for. And, and then a, a question that jumped out at me is, can someone be an emerging or responsive connector in life? Right. So if I if if I look at myself, reasonably introverted, and, and we'll talk about that later. And so certain amount of connecting, although I'm probably undershooting what I do. But then you go online and you go on social media and the relationships you have there seem more aligned with a super connector. So so do people sometimes have a different connector level? in real life versus their online connections. You know, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way. I really think we have one life Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we might be more inclined to connect with certain types of people. And that's the niche connector. And and so let me explain, let me take the first part of that question, um, which are the levels of connector. And so you said, what is the one thing I want people to take away? And it's that uh, this is accessible well, the other part of it is that this is a spectrum. You're already on it. Um, it is not I am or I'm not. It is what level are you? And there's a quiz. You'll put it in the show notes, three minutes, and you can figure out where are you currently on that spectrum from non-connector, which I will put money down that you are not a non-connector if you are listening to this because you are connecting just in this community. Um, but a non-connector is somebody who actually doesn't even believe in the value of relationships. And believe it or not, there are those out there. I actually have a client that is one. She says, I don't think relationships are important and I don't want to invest or spend my time on them. <laughs> so I'm like, why did she hire me as a coach? But that's okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, once we understand that relationships have value, we are emerging, right? We're emerging in our connector. We we might not have belief or competence in our skills. We might not have know to deploy the techniques, but we have that belief and we're, we're getting our toe in the water. Once we are starting to get requests for introductions, for assistance, um, we're starting to be responsive to those requests. And that's a responsive connector. That's wonderful. You respond, but you're just not initiating. And so the first level that you can pull as you want to elevate yourself and climb that spectrum is the initiate versus respond. When you start to initiate, ah, I'm the one with the idea of how to add value. I'm the one who's thinking of who I should introduce you to. It is coming from me, right? Then you are an acting connector. You are both responding and initiating. And that's a really great place to be. And a lot of people, that's enough, right? You are integrating these ideas into your everyday, into your relationships. And a connector is somebody who prioritizes relationships in everything that they do. You are clearly doing that. If you want to get to the upper echelons, we have another lever to pull. And that is the breadth and depth of your connections. Mm. So as you were talking about the example of in this space, I am I am really a connector. Well, I would call you a niche connector then. And a niche connector is somebody who goes deep in a certain area, whether it is a platform, right? I'm really connected on TikTok or LinkedIn or Insta or whatever it might be, a geographic region, um, an industry or a job function. So I give the example of my sister, who is the ultimate niche connector in New Jersey in real estate law. She is not a real estate lawyer, but every real estate lawyer in New Jersey knows my sister's name. (laughs) And all the ones that are related to that field. So that is a niche connector. 
Now, if you go wide, right, not deep now, we're going wide, that's when you can get to the super connector status. That's when you are going across demographies, geographies, job functions, hierarchies, um, industries, education levels, all of those differences. And, you know, when you go, oh, I know she'll know somebody or, or he's always got a guy. That's a super connector. And when you cross your country's borders, that's a global super connector, right? Going global. So those are the different levels. And that's kind of how we can pull the levers to, to keep elevating. Um, and so back to your point is, I don't think um, you are a non-connector in one area and a connector in another. It's just where you focus your energy and your relationships. And where you're comfortable. So you, you may be more comfortable interacting with people online and you may be because just by the nature of online you're crossing geographies and if you're one of the keys though is is you're saying hey tina that's a great question you asked i don't have an answer but i know ted who's a great person at that and i'm going to tag him for you and ted will answer your question or, or vice versa and so you're bringing people together so that they're both better for it and that's the initiating. That is absolutely initiating. Um, and that's also the generous spirit. So now we're starting to get into some of the mindsets of connector. Um, but one of it. the things that you said, um, oh, you said something and I wanted to jump on it. Oh, you said uh, where you're comfortable. Uh, you know, and that's also another mindset. So social and curious is the one I want to talk to about. Yes, um, let's do it. About being comfortable. But I just want to list them off for your listeners. Okay. So we have seven mindsets. Um, and these are the things that I'm saying anybody can integrate into their being to become a connector. So those seven mindsets are that co connectors are open and accepting. They have a clear vision. They come from a place of abundance. They trust. They are social and curious, conscientious, and have a generous spirit. And in what you said, I was going, this connect, you know, this mindset, that mindset. So social and curious. I, <laughs> I want to be really clear what I mean. I do not mean social butterfly and I do not mean life of the party. What you just said about where you're comfortable and online is where you connect and communicate. That is what I call find your form and your format, right? Mm. So that's the format where you might excel at the same time. I always want to encourage somebody. And if this is the golden nugget you walk away with is find your stretch. So, do what's working for you and be in that environment, that platform, that whatever it is that enables you to connect and at the same time, find your stretch. So if you hate those big events, don't go except maybe one, pick one really good one and build your comfort in those environments. And, and by doing that, you're exposing yourself to different people which mm. is diversifying your connections. And that's actually the whole third section of the book because the power of the connector's advantage, right? Which is faster, easier, better results. Whatever it is you're working on, you're going to get there faster, easier, and better. That's the advantage we're getting here. Um, when you have that diversification, it amplifies the advantage. And so by, by stretching yourselves into other environments and being, you know, social and curious in more formats, then you are going to get an even greater impact, exponential impact. <laughs> and you even talk about 
and you already said it, was it doesn't matter in a way if you're extroverted or you're introverted because you're going to find your own format and you're going to find your stretch. And so one of the things I really took away was that you highlighted that connecting is not just for extroverts. As introverts, this is accessible to us too. And you actually suggested introverts may have an advantage (laughs) in connecting. Yes, and I'm saying that as an extrovert. um, Some of the best connectors I know are introverts, and I learn from them because they have some natural skills and gifts. And I'm not going to bash our extroverts. You've got some natural skills and gifts too. Um, And so here's a way to think about your stretch. Our introverts, they are um, great in the one-on-one, which is where true connection forms. They are excellent listeners, Mm. right? So that curiosity and that probative questioning and that conversation, um, you know, that's they're they're at ease in there and they're not off-putting. Nobody ever says an introvert comes on too strong, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so the extrovert brings different skills to the table. They have an ease of kind of going up to anyone, anywhere and, and starting a conversation, helping keep that conversation going, putting other people at ease, welcoming other people in and making them comfortable, right? And they tend to be willing to share about themselves. Mm-hmm. So what is the stretch here? Well, the extrovert needs to get a little bit better at the listening and maybe making space for others to talk more because sometimes they fill up that space and that silence that other people might need in order to then speak, right? It's that internal processing and I need that time. So as an extrovert, I've learned to ask more questions, take a breath and speak second, third or last, but never first. The uh, such a powerful when you when you have the mantras that help you do that. And I did like that the first book you recommended in the uh, back of the book was a book on questions. And it was one of the ones that I read when learning to host the podcast was I, I said, well, I have to buy five books on how to ask questions before I can start. Really, you just need to start. But it was a very good book on questions. I love that. And so the stretch for the introvert, right, is that when they ask those questions, right, because they're very good at that maybe naturally, I want to make sure they're asking questions that they're willing to actually share uh, as well, right? They're willing to answer because their stretch is to be willing to share a little bit of information about themselves, They're happy to take the information in, but there may be a stretch for them to to be a little bit more self-disclosure in the conversation. Mm. And so that is their stretch. And their stretch also might be in the format, right? So we can see and and embrace and appreciate your natural gifts and understand your potential stretch so that you can elevate. I love it. And, And so if we go back to the first mindset, that you mentioned open and accepting for us to be successful there you highlight the importance of emotional intelligence and specifically self-awareness mm-hmm. and self-mastery why are those two so important to us if we want to connect with people so it's very interesting when we talk about open and accepting we usually think we're talking about being open and accepting to others right and and yes mm. we are 
and at the same time, right? <laughs> um, I really focus a lot on being open and accepting of ourselves. And that's where that emotional intelligence comes in. Having that self-awareness and something I call unique charms about those qualities of ourselves that are part of who we are. They are innate and ingrained and they're wonderful, right? There are those things that say, oh, that's just Michelle, you know? <laughs> um, and at the same time, they're not always working for us. Yes. So for me, it is my talkativeness. I can suck all the air out of a room because I don't shut up sometimes. To the point where my husband told me that I came, I, I, well, I was intimidating. I think he actually did use the word. I, no, actually, I think maybe he used the word intense. But it was just too much. And, and I married an introvert. So, the, Sorry, I was going to lend you a line that I heard once that was beautiful. And it was, I'm not intimidating. You're intimidated. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, you know, everyone has a unique charm. And to have the awareness of it. So for my husband, it's his humor. I married him for its humor. I love his humor. Sometimes it is not appropriate and it's not timely. You know? Too soon, too soon. It's just kind of like, this was not that moment. Right? <laughs> you know, and so we need to accept that, that we have those qualities and understand how to flex. And what I mean by a flex is a temporary or momentary adjustment of our style, of our personal preference to enable a better interaction and connection with somebody else. And so, I accept this about myself and I'm also working on ensuring that it, it doesn't inhibit the ability for you to connect with me. So when you look at it, we often say that someone's greatest weakness is their, or someone's weaknesses are their greatest strengths done too much. And so we need to know when to flex that strength because it is our strength. Yes. And we need to know when to say, well, wait a second, just tone it down. Not, not here, not now. So exactly. In, in coaching, one of the things I find the most, um, I do a process called 360. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar where we talk up, down, and across the organization, and we then give a report. And I have found from the majority of the times I've done this, and I've done it a lot, that the weaknesses somebody has is an over leverage of their strengths. Mm -hmm. And so I can say, you know, hey, because of your action oriented, because of your drive and your, your fast paced, you are also speaking in a way that is reading as impatient and um, arrogant and bossy and whatever it else might be. And so it, here it's a result of this. So understand what's driving it and then we can make the adjustment for it. Um, and, and so that's the same thing about this emotional intelligence that we're talking about being open and accepting of self. And that's not to say we shouldn't also be open and accepting of others. And when I talk about that, I talk about being open to being wrong. Mm. And so that's actually one of my favorite parts of that, that mindset in that chapter is we as humans, and we know this, you guys have already made all your decisions about me and you haven't even seen me, thank God, because I'm not looking great this morning. Um, but you know, from my voice and from the, whatever pictures on the screen and, and from, you know, my bio, you've made decisions about me. And that is part of our intelligent species to do. However, if we want to stay open, we need to stay open to being wrong. And we have what is called a very strong confirmation bias as humans. 
So we take information in and we process it in a way to seek to prove ourselves right. I want you to seek contrary information. Yes. I want you to ask what I call the four questions. And for your Jewish listeners out there, I do not mean the ones at Passover. Um, <laughs> some, some of your listeners will get that joke. Uh, but there's four questions that I, they pose in the book to help us stay in a place of curiosity versus conclusion. And okay. that keeps us open to being wrong and enables us to broaden our, our interpretations of situations and of people. Because I'll tell you, it's really hard to connect when you've made a decision about somebody. And I did this. And I actually tell the story, I think, in my first book um, about somebody I went to business school with. I don't remember what I called her in the book. So I'll just call her Kay. Um, <laughs> Because, you know, change the names to protect the innocent and the guilty. She was this, you know, very tall, former model, beautiful, came from money. And, you know, she was in my cluster in business school. Now, I'm four foot ten, right? So it's very easy to look down your nose at me just because that's physically where I am compared to everybody else. But I really just felt this person was always kind of snooty. I always mm. never talked to me. I always felt she was just looking down on me. And so when I organized the spring break trip and she was the first one to hand me a check, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be an awful spring break with her. <laughs> oh my God, I was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I learned a really valuable lesson that we need to question how we're interpreting other people's behavior. <laughs> She was really shy. She was a s severe introvert. And mm. her not talking to me wasn't about me. It was about her. And I, you know, I ended up being a bridesmaid in her wedding. <laughs> like, Oh, wow. Yes, okay. that's how wrong I was. Yeah. Um, you know, and so if you want to be a connector, we need to um, try to put our assumptions aside and our interpretations to the side and stay open to the possibility of connection with this person. And it's it's even a bit of a learning mindset, right? Because it's it goes back to that uh, ancient quote where the monk has the cup and the person keeps, I know, I know, I know. And it's like, if you pour, if your cup is already full of tea, I can't put any more tea in it. So you, you can't always know, just approach it from a mindset of, I don't know. Exactly. And that's actually one of the first questions I ask is what don't I know? What don't I know? I what don't it. I know? <laughs> so the, the other thing you talked about, well, you said all, you said all seven, so we'll get into all of them, but was vision. And so having a plan, having a goal and knowing where we're going, why is that so important to connecting with other people? So, I, I, I love that you highlighted this one. And by the way, these, these are not linear, right? It's not do, even though they're in, in a way we're going in order because open accepting is the first one and the clear vision is the second one in the book. They're not linear. They enable each other. And this is probably the most enabling one to, to accomplish, you know, your, your objectives. If you don't know what you're working on, if what you're working towards, you can't get there, right? So. I can't get an advantage on something if I don't know what I'm trying to accomplish. <coughs> <clears throat> but 
But having a clear vision does not have to be your 10-year plan. It does not have to be your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal, if you're not familiar with that phrase. It could be something small. So for example, when the Connectors Advantage came out, my my vision was just, I wanted to hit 100 reviews, 100 honest readers reviewing the book on Amazon. That was my goal. It was little, it was small. And when you have a clear vision, what you do is enable someone else to have a generous spirit. You enable someone else to feel valuable. Um, and you know that having a generous spirit and, and a mindset of giving and adding value is so key to connection, right? But if you don't give somebody else that opportunity, sometimes you actually can damage relationship because they feel like, Oh, I I don't want to bother them because it's always one-sided. Yeah. So I always say, it, I know it's hard to ask. And, and that's one of the things I talk about in this chapter is how do you ask without putting the relationship at risk? Because you got to ask, otherwise the answer is no, right? I always And I say this to my kids all the time. If you don't ask, the answer is no. But if you ask, you immediately increase your odds. And it might still be no, but at least there's a chance. And you might not get the thing that you want, but you might get something else. And you might not get a yes this time, but you might get a yes down the road. Let's dive into that one because <coughs> in the line I, I use with people, because my my boss, well, former boss who I, I took over for, taught me this one about eight years ago. And it was simple. No ask, no get. <laughs> and so if you, if you never ask, you're never going to get it. But you highlight what I thought was very important. It's having that mindset of, okay, at some point I've got to ask, but I have to, I have to contrast that with patience because there's, there's a time to ask and it might not be in the first five minutes of meeting you, Michelle. So, so how do we, how do we balance that asking with being patient enough to ask at the right time? So this is a great example of how these mindsets enable each other. So the mindset of a generous spirit will enable your ability to ask and to have that clear vision and to pursue that vision. So at, by the way, I've had people ask me in the first five minutes. Um, <laughs> exactly. When you approach people and approach life with a generous spirit, when you have a mindset of giving, when you are the one to initiate and to suggest and to provide value as much and as often as you can without expectation, right? Without that recipro reciprocity, without that quid pro quo, you know that you have um, laid the foundation in your community, in your network, maybe not in that one-to-one -one relationship to ask, but you have kind of put it out there. Now, mm. um, that's that to me gives me permission and says, you know what, I'm, I'm allowed to ask. I know I do and I know I give. And even when we think about this, it's not linear. It's not, I give to you, Clint, so you give back to me. That's right. What I want people to think about is I give and the people who might be able to add value to me are not the people I can add value to all the time. And it is not equal and is not even. But if we all adopt that mindset and that spirit, we will elevate and raise all of us together. Um, and I've seen this happen time and time again. And sometimes you'll be surprised because I'm connected to people who are far more successful than me, CEOs of public companies, right? Uh, you know, and 
I remember meeting him. I got this meeting with the CEO of, of, a, of a public company and he was actually leaving that position of CEO and moving to another company, starting another startup. And he's like taking three companies public. And, um, you know, I, I brought him a business idea. I got shot down in 10 minutes. <laughs> I had a lovely lunch. He insisted on paying, which was very nice because he was doing me the favor by hearing me out. And I then brought him a, a bottle of tequila because I heard that he loves tequila, dropped it off his office, you know, with a thank you note. And he happened to come out while I was dropping it off. He said, come into my office. And I went in and he's like packing up his office and telling me about what he's doing next. And I start asking him some questions about it, social and curious. Like now we're seeing how much these are connected. And, you know, at some point he stops packing, sits down and he does one of those lean back, hands behind the head, feet up going, you know, Michelle, you've given me a lot to think about. And I thought, really? I did? <laughs> Me? You know, I'm like, I'm doing backflips thinking I added value. Sometimes that curiosity is a way to add value to somebody else. And that is a way for me to be giving invaluable. And over the years, he has been so supportive and so helpful, made introductions to me. And every once in a while, I've been able to help him. Yeah. And they're not even. And that's okay. So when we think about, um, you know, and I, I'm jumping around here because I know we started with clear vision, right? And worrying about asking for something too soon and when is it right? When you are using these other mindsets, one, know that you already have permission. Um, but you can also ask permission to ask. Perfect. You, can, you know, and, and in the book, in that chapter, I give you a lot of different ways to make that ask. And, um, you know, we have the opt out ask and we have the make it easy ask and we have the convenient and the shrinking and the, you know, alternate. And we have all these different types of asks and, and you can look at each one and figure out which one's right for the situation. But all of them are designed to not put a relationship at risk and to not put somebody off. Yes. Okay. And you also highlighted something right there that was important. And I, I want to hit it before I, we jump into another one was you were surprised that he said you added value. And, and I think a lot of listeners forget what they bring to the table, right? So they assume the other side has everything, but you forget, well, wait, like, Sure, I might not be a CEO, but I've got experience with this, 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 and this. And maybe that person doesn't have that. So okay. so just thought, let's dive into that. Yes, 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 please. Um, <laughs> so we're actually really talking about the the generous spirit mindset. So yeah. we're, we're jumping, and this is the last one I, I talk about in the book. Um, and yet it's so foundational, so core, and it threads through everything else. Um, there are so many ways that we can add value that aren't about level, and exactly. as a connector, one of the most valuable things you can do for somebody else is make an introduction. And when you, and I don't want you to collect relationships. I want you to build and nurture relationships. So when we think about, you know, let's take, I'm going to go back to the CEO. Um, at one point he said, you know, I'm trying to research this thing. And do you know anybody? Well, I know a lot of academics. I know a lot of teachers and professors. And I used to be a professor at NYU and, and I, um, did, you know, work with Columbia Business School. And, and so, yeah, I knew people and I was able to make those connections. Mm -hmm. um, so introductions are a great way to add value. I always talk about the three eyes are the first place to go. Introductions, invitations, information. Perfect. So, introductions we just talked about. 
um, invitations. You don't have to actually be going to the event to invite somebody else to it. You might have heard of an event and say, you know, hey, I don't know if you heard about this thing that's going on. Um, I think it's really interesting. I can't make it, but, you know, it's a great fit for you. Let me know if you end up going. And that also keeps us in somebody's mind. It keeps us connected. It gives us a reason to reach out and, and uh, you know, deepen and strengthen those those roots of, of communication between two people. Information. Information doesn't have to be uh, brilliance. It could be, hey, you were mentioning you're going to Costa Rica. Here is a great tour I did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it, it could be little. Um, I do warn people about sending the article. I get a lot of people saying, hey, I thought you might like this article. And sometimes I appreciate it and sometimes it feels like a chore. Now I have to read this article. Then I have to tell them I read the article and it feels like one more thing on my to-do list. So unless it's like really, really spot on to something you talked about. Yeah, exactly. Like tailored, like Michelle read this article tied to the conversation you and I had about dot, 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 while we were dot, 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 thought you'd love it. And then it's like, oh, okay. We actually had an in-depth conversation on that. That makes sense to send me. Yeah. But otherwise I'm like, stop pouring me with leadership articles to read. I can't read them all. Um, but if somebody sends me something, I wrote a book on likability as well. And anytime likability is in the press, two or three of my colleagues always say, hey, Michelle, I saw this on likability. You may want to go make a comment. And so oh, that's, that's different. Smart. That's smart. And I yeah. love that. That's helping me um, rather than me feeling like I have to go back and have a conversation with them about this article. They're yeah. just giving me like a heads up. And that's what I call a light touch. A light touch is a great way to stay in contact with somebody, um, but not having them have to do anything. So we have the information in- invitations, introductions, but we also have the, what the lighter touches, the easy things that anybody can do, which is um, appreciation, uh, advice, credit, a thank you, acknowledgement. I know you love all the alliteration, so let's see. If we can. I know. That, I thought right? you were going down. Uh, I was down thinking the about A's. appreciation. I was excited. Uh, <laughs> acknowledgement. Um, so, you know, I always say you shine best when you shine the light on somebody else because it shines and reflects back on you. Mm-hmm. And when you can highlight somebody else's accomplishments or good work or give them credit. Um, that feels so good. A thank you goes such a long way. When somebody reads one of my newsletters and they, they send me a little note saying, you know, this is how it impacted me. A, a five word email is a gift to me. hundred percent. Yeah. A like or a comment on a post engaging. That's a gift to somebody. That is a way to add value. So anybody can add value. It's just different types of value you're adding. Now, I want to get two more questions in because we're getting close close to your time limit. So I'm going to fire. I wanted to share a quote that you had on giving. So we've talked a fair amount about it, but I'm going to take it in a different direction. But first the quote, and it was because we're so aligned on this one, it was give first, give often, give because you can and give without the expectation of getting anything in return. I thought that was a perfect summary in, in, you know, a few sentences of a generous spirit. And sometimes what happens when we do that is we get inundated, right? And requests and DMs and 
all of a sudden it's overwhelming. And we've gone from a generous spirit to a doormat. And and how do we prevent that doormat? Ah, love this. Okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about the generous spirit and also part of that is being generous to yourself. And the other ah. flip side of this is conscientious, which is another of the mindsets. So we're going to get one more in here. We need to have boundaries. <laughs> um, a, a connector is somebody who is conscientious. They follow up, they follow through, they do what they say they're going to do, and they're always wanting to say yes. But to actually be a strong connector, you have to be conscientious and be willing and able to say no and understand what you're willing to say yes and no to. And so this is where boundaries come in. And boundaries are about both conscientiousness and being generous to yourself. So for example, for me, I get inundated with requests for speaking in a pro bono format um, or people who want to, as they say, pick my brain. And, you know, I used to say I had an hour for anybody anytime. Then it became a half hour. Now I'm at 15 minutes and now it's not anybody, everybody anytime because the, the, it's, it's too much. And, and I actually write about this in the book and Dory Clark also talks about it in the book. Um, when we talk about the mindset of abundance, um, and finding time. And so how do I add value and how do I be responsive to somebody, um, and not dismissive to them without, you know, having me on the phone or on a zoom, you know, every moment of every day. And so, um, I have kind of looked for guidelines and this is what I mean by boundaries rules that I can follow that help me say, when do I say yes? And when do I say no? And you need to have clarity on that. So for example, um, I have a pro bono calendar. I do a certain number of pro bono talks per year. And once the calendar is full, um, you know, they have to, you know, be on a wait list. Mm. Um, now there's exceptions, right? Um, I like, for example, my, my business school was past the capacity. And I said, listen, um, for a nominal fee, I'll get you off the waiting list. And so it's not fully pro bono, but it's not certainly at rates. And it was a nominal fee, or it could be a donation to a cause, or it could be a book purchase. Um, and so I have those things. So, um, so my boundaries are, it has to be, if I'm doing pro bono, it has to be for a nonprofit, right? Rule number one, it has to be um, within a certain area of my house. They will not get on a plane. They will not travel. Um, and they have to have a certain size of audience. Mm. And so those questions, and then so what that enables me to do, and this is key in staying a connector, um, I can say no, but right? I believe no and yes are not one word answers. Yes, if, yes, when, yes, after, yes, with, and no, but. No, but here's how you can get to a yes. No, but here's an article you might want to check out. No, but here's somebody else you might want to reach out to. No, but here's some other way I can try to help you without infringing on my boundary. Mm Mm-hmm. I it's love hard. That. It's hard. <laughs> yeah, as as a and I've been learning it as I've been growing on social media. I used to think, well, why do those large accounts never respond to DMs? And now I've been lucky enough to be growing on one of the platforms, and it's like I wake up in the morning and my DMs are full, and I'm like, I I can't 
go respond to all and and half the people are like hey we should have a zoom call and i'm like no no we shouldn't (laughs) i get that all the time on linkedin um hey let's chat and and so it's kind of against my nature to say no um and i i've been i have a i say now i don't have capacity for calls right now um but if you have a specific request please fill out the form on my website right Mm, mm -hmm. um you know, and I, and if they'll say, oh, you know, cause they do the whole trying to get to know you and build relationships, which I so appreciate. Um, oh, I want to hear about your coaching business. I want to learn about you. And I say, you know, Hey, you can learn all about me on my websites. <laughs> yeah. That that's, and, and that's the direction that it, that it has to go. So I, I really appreciate that one. Last question before we, before we run out of time for you is another one that we really significantly align on and it ties, I think, to a generous spirit, is abundance versus scarcity. Scarcity, and, and it's an area we talk about on the podcast a lot. And as you know, uh, you think you've said it enough, but you have to repeat it hundreds of times. So I, I'd, I'd love if you could share why an abundance mindset as, as a connector, but even as a human, why an abundance mindset is so important? And what's the difference between scarcity and abundance? So this is a, a, a deeper uh, a question, right? So this is actually the hardest one for me. And um, when you think about scarcity, it is tangible, right? You have a scarcity of time, you have a scarcity of money, you have a scarcity of opportunity, you have a scarcity of right, whatever it might be. We believe it. And when we have a scarcity mindset, we become protective and defensive and competitive and... Um, envious, right? Whereas an abundant mindset is not, everything's fabulous. It is a belief in not just the possibility, but the probability that things can be better and exponentially better than they are right now. It is the belief that there is enough and there's enough to go around. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to not feel envious Right. I just had this experience the other day. Um, I was saying to my husband, I'm like, you know, I, I am so grateful for what we have. And I always say, don't compare yourself against other people because there's always somebody who's doing better. There's always somebody who's doing worse. And I said, I'm finding myself doing it. I'm, and I'm, and, and he's like, but you always say this and you always say this. And I said, I know. And I'm still finding myself doing it. Right. <laughs> so it is a constant effort to shift your mindset from scarcity to abundance. Um, and so, for example, when uh, one of my friends landed a client that I was like, oh, man, I would love that client. You know, like, how did you land that client? And it was sports and it was a sport I love. And I was like, oh, man, you're going to get tickets, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was like, it was like just really kind of bothered me for a day. Like, I felt really envious. And then I was like, oh, man. And I called her up and I'm like, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Now tell me how you landed it. And do you need any help? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I was able to get past it. And that doesn't mean we don't have these feelings. But an abundance mindset is um, how I approach my work now. So I don't believe in competition. I don't Mm -hmm. have any competitors and people ask me all the time. And I'm like, I don't know. I've got referral partners. I've got people who I could suggest if I'm not available, right? I have strategic partners and, and you know, sounding boards and, and collaborators. Um, but I do not have competitors. And that, to me, is an abundant mindset. Yes. 
there's enough business for every single one of us and I only have so much time. And so if, if I'm past that time, Hey, I've got a friend who does what I do. And so instead of being a, a competitor, it's a peer. Exactly. And so the two, two tips, right? I said, I want you to walk away with something practical and tactical here. So here's your last two tips. One was, I already said, don't compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to your clear vision, right? We already said have a clear vision. That is what your target is. And that is your milestone and your measurement. The second one is an attitude of gratitude. I'm sure you've heard this before, um, but find little ways to infuse that practice of gratitude. I don't gratitude journal. I know people can do that. I don't have a huge big thing I do. I simply ask myself and my family the question every day of what was the best part of my day or what was the good in today. I have a little sign in my son's room because he tends to be a little negative. (laughs) Today might not be a good day, but there is good in every day. Oh, it's beautiful. And, And so what I ask him is, you know, you know, how'd you find the good today or what was your good today? And so it just gives you a little bit of reconnecting to that feeling. And that's a great spot to end it with two practical tips of advice. Is there anything we missed, Michelle? Um, well, you missed about how to stay in touch with me because I'm a connector. Well, that, I do that, want that, that's to the next touch. question. That's right? the next question. Where, where do we find you? Um, the best place to start is always on my website, which is Michelle Tillis Letterman, all three words all together, dot com. Um, and from there, you can find me on all the social media platforms. LinkedIn is my favorite. Um, although I've gotten a bigger following on Instagram lately. I'm not as good on it, but I'm working on it. Um, I've got a YouTube channel and all the goodies in the show notes. I give away chapters of the book and quizzes and a video series to elevate your success because, you know, generous spirit, I want to make sure I'm adding value at all times. Um, and I have a LinkedIn newsletter now, and I love to have people in that conversation. So I look forward to to hearing that you found me on the pursuit of learning. Awesome. And we'll have that in the show notes. Thank you very much for being with me today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us on The Pursuit of Learning. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and head over to our website, thepursuitoflearning.com, where you will find our show notes, transcripts, and more. If you like what you see, sign up for our mailing list. Until next time, your host in learning, Clint Murphy. Clint Murphy.